welcome to What the Duck, a podcast with real experts talking about direct spin challenges and experiences. And now, here's your host, Source Day's very own manufacturing maven, Sarah Scudder. Thank you for joining me for What the Duck, another supply chain podcast brought to you by Source Day. I am your host, Sarah Scudder, and this is the podcast for people working in the direct materials part of supply chain. I'm at Sarah Scudder on LinkedIn and at S Scudder on Twitter. If you are new to the show, make sure to follow this podcast so you don't miss any of our direct materials supply chain content. Today, I'm going to be joined by Paul Tedford. He's kind of a celeb around the Source Day office. This is my first time actually chatting with him. And we are going to discuss how to successfully implement an ERP. If you work for a manufacturer and want to upgrade your existing ERP or install a new ERP, then this episode is for you. Paul's passion for customer advocacy and solving new and challenging problems allowed him to take on many different roles in the ERP space and most recently become CEO and partner at Synergy Resources. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. It's a pleasure. So I hear you were the recipient of some pretty swanky uh, cowboy boots. So I, I, I need I need to hear about these. I only saw a photo. So there, I never knew you could make cowboy boots out of ostrich skin. First of all, so thank you to the Source Day team for giving me some my first cowboy boots I've ever owned. Ostrich skin, they're beautiful. I've finally broken them in and uh, getting used to wearing them. So uh, thank you. The big surprise. What? Are you are you wearing them today? I am not, unfortunately. Okay, I should have. We should have pre-prepped so you could have modeled the cowboy boots. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, Paul, let's let's go way back in time, many many years ago, and I'd like to have you start off by sharing how you got your start in manufacturing. Sure. So it goes back to college. I I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I I went to college to be a veterinarian, if you can believe it. Um, so within two years, realized that wasn't the track for me. So I just started to get my minor in business, wanted to do an intern. I also needed to put myself through college. So I had to work two jobs. So I ended up working one job during the school year, which is right down the road from the University of New Hampshire in Newmarket, New Hampshire, which was called um, Vinyl. And they made in-ground pool liners that retrofit gunite custom pools. Um, so I did 3D CAD design for them to uh, design those pools. But at some point during that two years I was there while in college, they decided to build a homegrown ERP um, mm. on an Apple platform with FileMaker Pro, which uh, there was no really web-based or Apple-based um, ERPs this, at the time. So I got my start. It sounds like really a very good. risky project. Yes, it was, it was, it was fun. I'm trying to get costing and material planning, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff in there. Um, and then during the, the summers and the winter break, my dad had me uh, work at his company. He worked at a can company in Peabody, Massachusetts. And uh, that business has since gone to China, unfortunately, but my dad was the controller there. And in the summer, he wanted me to get my hands dirty, learn how to work with my hands, work on the shop floor. So I worked out there helping the, the, the manufacturing lines. I used to do the forklift and um, wrap the cans up 
might have had a few mistakes and knocked over maybe ten thousand dollars worth of equipment i mean a product at one time and that wasn't good on the first week on the job but uh got better from there and um during the winter um you'd have me come in the office and help with the five and a quarter inch floppy drives implement their erp so that's where i got those two jobs i got to experience erp and uh that they introduced me to manufacturing so i loved it loved the people and I really think it's the heartbeat of our economy. So, so you worked these two jobs, graduated from college. You liked manufacturing. You liked ERP. So it, it stuck. When you started in your career after graduating college, what did you struggle with the most? Because being a student is very different than being on your own. Yes. So I think um, the biggest struggle was was really knowing what where I wanted my career to go. I knew I loved manufacturing. I knew I loved technology and software, and that was really fun and new at the time. Um, so just understanding where to go. So luckily, I I put my uh, resume into Lily Software, which is the original creator of Visual, and they had a technical support opening. So I worked in tech support. So just learning um, SQL programming language and how the products work, that was difficult, but I was also a pretty shy kid. So being able to talk on the phones and, um, you know, build rapport with office mates, I think that was probably the most important thing I learned in college actually was how to build rapport and, you know, have some fun. Um, but also it, it kind of, um, came over to the first job I had and made a lot of friends there. And I think that was really the launch pad to my career really so and what did graduating from college mean to you when when we were prepping for the show i know this is something that was really really special and important to you yep so um graduating college was obviously what your parents expect you to do at the time uh so especially my dad so it meant that i didn't disappoint my dad right so that was good but um i learned quite a bit at college. And again, the biggest thing I really learned was how to be on my own, how to, how to learn to set my own priorities, how to, you know, manage my time, uh, how to have this, learn how to be in social situations. Um, so I don't really use too much that I learned in college from my degree today. Um, I think there's a little bit about learning how to read a PL and balance sheet and stuff like that. But most of it was just learning how to live on my own and the social aspect of living on campus. So Graduating from college was, you know, something that I was proud of, but more important was the experience of being there. Yeah. yeah. So you, so you progressed throughout your career, I, I would consider pretty quickly. You eventually became an operational and technical consultant, helping customers implement ERP. So I'd like to have you start off by sharing what does an operational and technical consultant do? This might not be something that a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Right. So um, right after Lily Software, I joined uh, Mark Lilly's and Gene Cayola's group, which eventually became Synergy Resources. And uh, one of the first roles they had me in was technical consultant, um, which we did things like data migrations. Um, report writing, things like that, and then also operational consultant. So um, I had some experience with operational consultant, but it's not as much experience as most of the other consultants that work at Synergy. They've maybe they had roles as COO of companies, VP of operations, 
Um, they've worked in manufacturing a long time. So that knowledge that you learn, um, you know, from, from being in a, a situation, the problem solving, knowing what processes work, what the best practices are, and then being able to move them over into the software as well and include that in the software is really what the operational consultants do. So they'll look at, you know, what is the goal of a project or a continuous improvement workshop? And they'll say, okay, maybe the goal is to improve material or supply chain, or maybe the goal is to improve scheduling. And they have the experience, not just with the software and just from where they worked before in manufacturing, but also they've probably done over a hundred implementations. Most mm -hmm. we've done well over a thousand implementations. So most of our consultants have worked on quite a few. So they get, get to understand the nuances between each industry, what those best practices are by, by industry. So I think an operational consultant is somebody in our company that can help you with any manufacturing based process or software problem or a combination of the two and uh, provide not only how to fix it, but also best practices and the processes that work at other similar companies uh, like them. So and, some people cringe when they hear the word consultant, right? Especially yeah. if I'm working for a smaller mid-sized manufacturer, I've got a small budget. I just think uh, expensive. I think this person is going to come in and you know, have all these robust things that we're not actually going to be able to do. So why should a manufacturer actually consider hiring an ERP consultant? What are some of the benefits? Yeah, um, some people, there's different journeys. We always say one of our values is um, customer satisfaction. And that seems like a, a value that everybody has. But one of the behaviors in there is meeting customers where they are. So we, we have a lot of customers that have implemented it's the first time they've ever implemented an ERP. They're coming off QuickBooks. Maybe they're just coming off spreadsheets. They've never implemented an ERP. And if you've never implemented an ERP, it touches everything in your company. It touches everything from sales to operations, as we talked about, material planning, shop floor, finance, quality, engineering, you name it, right? So um, if, if you're trying to do that on your own and you're trying to put in place best practices learned across, as we talked about many other implementations and learning what works at different types of companies. It's, it can be difficult, um, especially the change management, um, aspect of it, the, again, the best practices, the right processes, but not, not only that is that you're trying to marry up those processes to the software. So you take your current state, your desired future state in the beginning of an implementation, and you need to set the system up, the preferences, the configuration, the settings to support what those processes will look like in that desired future state that will meet the KPIs or the business goals the company has. So if you've never done an ERP implementation, you really do unfortunately need to hire a consultant uh, to do that because you, you're going to want that. It's going to cost a lot more in the long run if you don't. And then even people that have done multiple implementations, usually they don't pick the same ERP or sometimes they, a lot of our customers come from referrals or they've been using visual one company to another one. But a lot of times nowadays, people are moving to a cloud ERP and there's some differences there. So you're probably going to want a consultant uh, there as well. So, Paul, I think a big one that you didn't mention is preventing burnout with your existing staff. Mm -hmm. All of the people that I know that work in manufacturing and supply chain are maxed out as is. They are working crazy hours, trying to get things done, scrambling, you know, nights, possibly weekends. And if you add on 
an ERP implementation to an already overburdened staff. I feel like you're going to burn out your team and people may quit and, and not be able to handle it. So by bringing in a resource, you're making sure that your team is not becoming overwhelmed. Yeah, excellent point, Sarah. That's especially the last three to four years, right? Where labor market is tight, people are working with lean environments, and uh, we absolutely see that. And sometimes that's the reason why people can't put an ERP in at all, is they don't feel like they have the time. So yeah. um, there's different levels of implementation support you can get. Either you know you want to do a little bit more of the project, or you want us to do a little bit more of the project, whoever your partner is. So that's a very good point, and absolutely we see that in every every single implementation. And I, you mentioned, you touched on this briefly, but I want to just state it again. I think act, working with an, a consultant to help with an ERP implementation, or if you're upgrading, you can actually save money. I, there are many, many instances that I have seen where a company tries to manage it in-house. Something goes wrong and they spend double or triple their budget. And had they just gone out and hired a consultant and done it right the first time, they wouldn't have gone so far over budget and they actually would have saved money or come in at or under budget. So there's actually a, a pretty big cost savings factor as well that I think is important to think about. It is. And that comes with the, the long time experience of multiple yeah. projects and what, what works, what doesn't work. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Paul, the, the focus of our conversation today is really around what what manufacturers can do to implement an ERP, right? There, there's, like you mentioned, people that are on spreadsheets, people that are on QuickBooks that are looking to implement an ERP for the first time, or some of our listeners may be on what I would call an antiquated or outdated ERP and they want to upgrade. So what are some tips that you can share that a manufacturer can do to have a smoother and more successful ERP implementation? That's a very broad, big question, but maybe you can hone in on a couple key things that people can take away from this discussion today. Sure. I, th I think it all starts in the, you know, how you get ready to select an ERP. How do you, how do you um, get vendors involved? How do you, you know, make a decision on which one to go with? What's the process you go go through with that? So um, I think a lot of companies sometimes will go to outside selection consultants, which are great, um, but sometimes they'll focus on every single thing you need. You know, I need order entry and it needs this field. And, and if you get stuck on that minutiae, you know, most ERP systems have order entry. You might have special pricing that you have to make sure it works. But most of them had order entry, the most of them had shipping, most of them had purchase order entry. So what is the what are the reasons that what are the goals of this project for you? And focus on the features that are gonna allow you to realize those goals. So a lot of our customers, when they're starting to look at software or, or the reason why they're implementing, part of it's efficiency, of course. So having all their data in one system, having one process that flows through. And you'll want to look at the ease of use, how efficient is the system to get around. You know, making sure you're not rekeying data in this automation, things of that nature. But then there's usually some other reasons. It's in a manufacturing company specifically. It's you know making sure they can improve on-time delivery to their our customers' customer or the person that's implementing their customers. So, what does that entail? That entails good material planning. It entails supplier portals. 
it entails things like a good scheduling the shop floor, um, the shop floor solution itself. So if that's one of your big goals is on-time delivery, how is the system going to help you get the right materials at the right time, you know, at the right price or the right quality? Um, and then how is the system going to allow you to improve your actual lead time? So you're making your customers happier, which, you know, at the same time as improving your on-time delivery, and maybe even at the same time as reducing overtime, <laughs> so, or even shifts, because we have customers that will implement an ERP and their goal is scheduling, but they realize that because the data the system can give them, they know where to apply overtime, where not to apply overtime, because they know what their true bottlenecks are and what's going to actually move these orders through, you know, increase throughput basically. So it's really what the goals are. Um, some companies will implement an ERP system so they can close their month in in a day, right? Um, so it just depends on what your, your real goals are. Um, you want to make sure that they're the focus of the uh, selection process, meaning you focus the demo on your key three to six goals, the rest of it over the you know navigation you'll see in any demo, but really focus that agenda on what's going to change your business for the better. And then I think the other thing during the selection process to do is meet the consultants. Um, mm -hmm. The software is only 40% of the equation as we've been talking about the the reason why most of our customers get the benefits they do is not just the software, it's the consulting and the experience behind it, the best practices. So you want to meet those consultants, how much experience they have, do they have experience in your industry, do the personalities drive, things of that nature, drive, sorry, not drive. Um, but yeah, you want to meet those consultants and um, make sure that you explain where you're on the ERP journey. Is this your first one? Have you done multiple ones? Do you need more help? Have those conversations. A good partner is going to be able to put a good plan together based on that. They might phase it in or they might do the big bang approach. Um, they might recommend different options for you. So you'd want to work with a good partner based based on that. And, and really the key is what are the business goals of the company? So, Paul, I would argue that the most important aspect of an ERP implementation, of course, selecting an ERP that can solve the problems that you have and picking the right consultant partner is the change management piece. It is. Yeah. I know organizations that have spent millions and millions of dollars buying an yeah. ERP, trying to implement an ERP, and it actually never gets off the ground because they did not have the right processes in place for change management and their teams would not adopt and use the system. So, what advice do you have for people that are maybe listening to this and are struggling with change management? They don't know how to get their teammates to actually adopt and use this new ERP or upgraded ERP. Yeah, that's a great point, Sarah. So I think change management all starts with executive sponsorship of the project as well. If your executive team, especially the CEO, president, founder, isn't behind it, it's going to be really tough to have a very successful project. So, and, and, and have the, the change management focus that's needed to have a successful project. So I'd say that's the first thing you also want to make sure that you're not just relying on the vendors project manager. You want somebody outside that exec executive, that is your internal project manager that can help drive that forward and make sure the change is happening. Um, but there's other change management, um, strategies that you can put in place before with the key stakeholders of the ERP project. 
for example, one of the things that we've recently done is become DISC certified in the last two years. So we'll do DISC assessments. Um, so for, for those who may not be familiar with that, what is DISC? DISC is like a personality traits, how you work type assessment tool. You know, are you a direct person or you're a supportive person? Do you just like to make people feel comfortable around you? Are you very in the details? Um, so it'll assess everybody in your team and and tell the other stakeholders on that team how how it's how you can work better with each other and work to each other's strengths and understand you know maybe the differences between the different personalities and it really does help you get ready for a project like this because it teaches you not only how to work better with your people on the project towards um, better success but it gives you some other change management you know tactics to to employ for the team that's part of that project. So we just kicked off a project with a company out in the Midwest and um, the disc is only like a couple days of the project right in the beginning, right? Or a couple hour sessions, not even days. So um, there's a self-assessment that you can do online and uh, that's pretty quick. And then we come in and do training about what the results are of the report. Uh, we had the management team and the implementation team because they wanted to have all of them do the disc tra training. And about a week after that, the CEO, Eric uh, McAlexander, he sent me and the person that did it a unsolicited email saying, we know how to work together so much better than we ever did before. And this is gonna help us not just with change management for this project, but for any project, thank you. We learned more about our business and ourselves in this first week of the kickoff. Than we have in years so those are the kind of things that make us happy right when we hear those kind of comments but those are some of the things that you can do around change management but again it starts with executive sponsorship and a good internal project manager yeah and and i would add to that i think it's important to include the stakeholders in the process if Absolutely. i sit in accounting and nobody ever asks my advice or feedback for a year and then you th i wake up one day and you throw a system at me and say you have to use this I'm yeah. probably not going to be as open and willing as as if I would have been if somebody had asked my feedback and advice and got my input throughout the process. So seems very simple and basic, but really, really important in that change management process. Absolutely, Sarah. The, we usually have six to eight stakeholders on a project, the different areas of a company. Um, and you definitely want to have them in the whole selection process and the demos. Um, deciding on it together. So absolutely, you need that buy-in uh, to make sure that change management happens. Yeah. So Paul, some of our listeners, so we just talked about things to do when you're implementing a, an ERP, a new ERP. But we also have listeners who have an existing ERP that I call is antiquated or maybe becoming a dinosaur, right? Time, time for an upgrade. How does somebody know when is the right time to upgrade their ERP? Yeah, another great question. So I think there's a lot of answers to that. There's a lot of different ways to go um, to, to talk about that one. So um, there's, there's that technical aspect, right? So we'll start with the easy one, the, the first one. So it's when you have business pain, right? Your current system can't help you with where you want to go, whether you can't get the reports out of it, you can't get to the business goals around either supply chain scheduling, you know, finance, whatever they happen to be, and your system's just holding you back. You've changed as a company, you have new people, new processes, new products, 
you've changed over the years. So maybe it's time for a new ERP. Now that one's a that one's a touchy subject because when we go into those companies, um, even if they're not using one of our ERPs, some sometimes we just tell them it's not the ERP. It's your processes. The ERP will do would do what you want it to do. And that's maybe 60% of the time, actually. So sometimes they still go forward with a change. Sometimes we help them with just We've actually told companies, don't get a new ERP. Let's just help you with the processes. So we'll do that um, as well. So that's the first step. And then the second one you mentioned, dinosaurs, right? So then there's the technical technical aspect. And that really gets into security. How much time you have to have full-time technical staff, you know, working towards keeping the service up, things like that. So then you might want to consider cloud, not just for the security reasons I just mentioned, but also to make sure that your technical folks are not doing those mundane server room mm-hmm. tasks anymore. They're doing things that are value add, like let's get the data the way you want it. Let's set up workflows for automation, things of that nature. So I think the right time to upgrade your ERPs, either when you have a business problem or a technical deficit that you can't overcome um, with the current ERP. So those are the biggest two reasons that we see people um, upgrading the ERP. And then there's the ones that are coming off spreadsheets and they just need efficiency. So any ERP would probably help them. But, uh, that scares me yeah. when you tell me that someone's managing their business and spreadsheets. I make makes my heart rate race very fast. It's amazing the ingenuity manufacturers can have that get it done attitude, right? We've talked to companies that are forty million dollars in revenue that don't have an ERP system running on spreadsheets and QuickBooks, um, and it, it's it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> that's getting mm-hmm. it done yeah, yeah no we get i mean we still get inbounds you know yeah. most of ours are on quickbooks not necessarily on spreadsheets but still at some point when you reach a certain volume you know quickbooks can only do so much um one more question about the erp upgrade so how long should somebody ex- expect an upgrade to take, right? You already have the system implemented, but it's not something that happens overnight. And I think sometimes people will miscalculate the time involved in actually doing an upgrade. Even though you already have that product installed, it doesn't mean it's a super fast and quick process. Right. So that depends on if you're in a cloud ERP or you're on-premise, right? So a cloud ERP, usually what most of the publishers are doing nowadays, like Acumatica, for example, or N4 Cloud Suite, they're um, they're basically putting out updates either once a quarter or twice a year, um, and then they they can hold you can actually hold back when you want to take those new features because if you introduce new features into your current process, it could break things that you're doing now, right? So in those cases, you're not worrying about buying a new server, you're not worrying about cleaning data and Maybe you are if you've used it for a long time, but typically you're not worrying about the cleaning the data. Um, you're not worrying about manually installing a new version, running upgrade scripts because the cloud vendor is doing all that for you. What you are worrying about is how it's going to change your current processes. So you need to spend um, typically three to four weeks running through your current state processes and making sure they still work and then looking at what's coming new in the software and do you want to implement those new features to improve some of your current processes and then test out those processes in a pilot or you know kind of like a user acceptance test so that's with cloud um that that usually takes you know one to three weeks to do that testing um because you want to have every everybody that had to change the software which is 
in an ERP system, that could be almost every um, part of your company, like we talked about before. You want them going through those those tests. Um, the actual time it takes to upgrade is zero minutes. It's just the testing of the new features and everything works, right? So that's the that's the cloud. When you're on premise, you have that same thing. You want to test the new features, make sure everything works. But then you also have to check to see if your server needs to be updated, um, unless you're hosted in the cloud um, with a perpetual license. Um, and then you you have to also see if you want to do data cleansing. Companies that have not upgraded for many years because if you're on premise, you can decide whenever you want to upgrade. So you might have had your last upgrade seven years ago. Again, your business has changed. You want a different chart of accounts. You might want to cleanse that chart of accounts and, and make sure it's right for you going forward. So that can take a little bit longer. So an on-premise install could happen over a weekend. Um, if your processes all work and you don't want to test, which I don't recommend, um, or it can take, you know, four to five weeks. So that's typically what a on-premise at the far end, six weeks, right? But, you know, some of our customers want to take longer to test, which is fine. So it could take two months. So just yeah. So my, my friend, Susan Walsh is the classification guru and her tagline is the fixer of dirty data. So she started her own data cleansing company a few years ago and the highest volume of work that she receives now it could change this year, but is people either implementing a new ERP or doing an upgrade because what they want to do is clean up the data before they input it into a new or upgraded system. So I think getting your data clean is so, so important. And then you've got the next component of keeping that data clean. So once you input that good data, how do you maintain its accuracy? Absolutely, 100%. So, you know, there's the master data, right? Where you have all these parts that say, do not use in front of them. Let's get rid of those. Same with customers and vendors, but then it, then it comes into, again, back to the process, right? If you want to do supply chain improvement and measure your suppliers, you better have a process where your users are putting in the promise date, the, the you know when they when it's going to be received in. So MRP, supply portals, things like that work. So sometimes it's not just cleaning current data; it's making sure the process supports the goals for that upgraded system as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so, Paul, we, me, and my team at Sourcestay have worked with your crew at Synergy for a very long time. You guys are an awesome partner and you were recently promoted to CEO. Mm -hmm. So would like to have you um, get a little bit personal and share what that means to you to have moved up to the ranks and actually take that, that top position. Right. So, that's a good question. So the personal aspect of it is that is when I was going through college and put myself through college, um, I just wanted to make a little bit of money enough to support a family, right? So um, I didn't really have these career aspirations. It wasn't until I got into manufacturing and technology and said, wow, this is so cool. You can do these things. And I just wanted to solve people's problems, help them with tips and tricks. And then being that customer advocate, you know, allowed me to get into doing like demos of the software, you know, things of that nature. When I, when you get into that um, and helping people, that's, that was really what the goal was. So it wasn't just helping um, our customers. It was also helping the team members at Synergy. Um, So it's, it's all about, and I've had a lot of help too, right? So Mark, Lily, 
um, was one of the original founders of Synergy, Gene Kaola, uh, Mike Canty. There's, there's a whole list of people that have been my mentors. So um, being able to learn from them, their experience in manufacturing, being able to learn from our customers, um, being able to be a team member, is, is, it just allows us to always you know, kind of look at that next level. How can we help more? How can we help more? And that's just how, I, I think that's how it, it wasn't any aspiration of being CEO is just, Hey, how can we help more? How can we, um, you know, make sure our customers are getting, you know, improved business operations and, and, and improved business results. Um, and then also the fellow team members at Synergy, I mean, it's been working with them, supporting them, whether they needed a demo to learn how to use it, always stepped in for those type of things, whether I needed them to teach me how to write a SQL script a different way with unions and I didn't know how to do it at the time. And so I think um, being promoted to CEO wasn't, it, it was never really an aspiration of mine. It was just really something that a lot of hard work um, individually, but mostly with a team of great people um, has helped um, helped help grow and, it, and it, it's helped us grow the company, which has opened up other opportunities for us to serve more customers and for people in our company to have, you know, career paths that they want to pursue as well. So, not sure I answered your question there. That's so, it. Yeah. What does yeah. it, what does Synergy do that is unique that nobody else in the market offers? Yeah. So it's funny. And when we go into manufacturing companies, um, the first thing we hear typically during a sales and they're looking for a ERP is your ERP might not fit us because we're so unique, right? So, which is usually true because they have, they have a unique team. Every individual is unique. They probably have a couple processes that are unique, but the best practices for each micro vertical, 80% of that will work or not 85% of that would probably work for most companies in a similar vertical. So, um, I, I, I struggle with that a little bit because I feel like we're pretty unique, um, but I, I'd have to, we, we look at what's going on around us and we are always improving. So it's probably easier to answer that question of what we do. So we help companies choose the right ERP. So the first thing is that we offer three different ERPs um, and a lot of companies are selling the only ERP they have. So they're not looking at your business goals, business needs, where we can, we can actually look across the three ERPs and say, what's the best fit for your, what you want out of this project, what you want out of the software and the implementation. So That's, Paul, I, I just, mean, I want to pause there for a second for our listeners. So when you say we offer three ERPs, you mean you are a reseller of three different ERPs. So you can assess your customer's needs and recommend an ERP. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Saying it better than I do. Yes. And what yeah. are those three ERPs that you resell, that you offer to your customers? Yep. So we have two in four products. Um, one is in four visual, which is an on-premise solution um, that can be hosted. And then there's in four cloud suite industrial, which is a little bit larger, um, you know, for a little bit larger size companies. Um, and it's cloud, multi-tenant cloud, public cloud, but it can also be on-premise in the same code base. And the third one is Acumatica ERP, um, which can fit into manufacturing, but also distribution um, and a few other industries as well. Yep. Okay. 
Well, Paul, thank you for discussing how to successfully implement an ERP with me today. Where would you like to send people to find you? Sure, I think um, the easiest way to find us is at synergyresources.net on uh, the web. And uh, you can also find me at Paul Tedford on LinkedIn and uh, Lean Manufacturing or at Lean underscore Manufacturing or MFG at Lean underscore MFG on Twitter. So. And so just a, a reminder on that call out, it's .net.com for their website. If you missed anything, you can check out our show notes. You can find us by typing in What the Duck, another supply chain podcast into Google. To have optimal search results, make sure to add another supply chain podcast at the end of your search. To ensure you don't miss a single episode, make sure to follow this podcast and subscribe to us on YouTube. I'm at Sarah Scudder on LinkedIn and at S. Scudder on Twitter. This brings us to the end of another episode of What the Duck, another supply chain podcast. I am your host, Sarah Scudder, and we'll be back next week.